was probably conceived 25 years ago at the Rio Earth Summit in 1992. Um, I was just starting off as the president of the World Travel and Tourism Council, which is now the business leaders organization for the travel and tourism sector. I was the first employee. And we were creating a, a story that said travel and tourism is the biggest industry in the world. We didn't have very much to go by. We had limited statistical material, but we had the six biggest companies in the world who said we have to be there on the world stage. And our message at that time was tourism is great. Tourism is good for you. Tourism creates jobs. Tourism deals with poverty and the whole thing. And I had begun to see that there are some downsides as well. And that like any economic activity, uh, there are limitations to how good growth is. So I went to the Rio Earth Summit. I had that capacity. I met the chairman of the, the secretary general of the summit, Morris Strong. Morris Strong had been the father of sustainable development and he had been involved for 40 years in building up this from the Club of Rome right through the Brundtland Commission to the, to the creation of the United Nations Environment Programme to this big summit with the biggest summit that had ever been held to ask the question, what are we doing about the planet? And I was fortunate. Morris Strong and I hit it off. It was a 25-year friendship and mentorship. I learned from him. I think I was one of his closest confidants at the end. And SunX is a legacy to Morris Strong. It's the Strong Universal Network. And we added the X at a certain stage because climate change is existential. And amidst all of these 17 Sustainable Development Goals 2030, 2050 agenda, there's just one existential issue. If we don't fix climate change, your kids, my kids, our grandchildren, they're not going to be here. Or they're going to be here in very trying circumstances. And if you want an example of this, you only have to look at what's happened the last month in the Caribbean, which scientists are telling us is pretty much a result of the warming of the oceans, and the volatility that's been introduced into our weather. And in one month, whole countries can be wiped out. That's what existential means. So SunX is a system where over the next 10, 15 years, we want to set up a movement amongst young people. We want to set up monitoring stations in every country. We want to join them on the cloud. And we want to pull from this mass of information that everybody is looking at on sustainable development, which are the really important ones that popular movements will say, enough is enough, you can't keep doing business in this same fashion, you have to change. And good evening, everybody. My name is Jürgen Steinmetz, joining you from Livestream.Travel and Etobo News in Honolulu, Hawaii. And with me is Professor uh, Jeffrey Lippmann. He's joining us from Brussels, Belgium. It is now 8 o'clock here in the evening in Honolulu. It's 7 in the morning for Jeffrey. And uh, thank you for getting up that early. But it was an interesting day. And for you, it was an interesting yesterday, I guess, because we had 
the uh, we welcome President Biden to the White House. Um, a lot of us had been waiting for this and uh, we're having some major changes in the pipeline. And one of these changes is for the United States to rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement. And Jeffrey is an expert. Uh, his passion is uh, climate. For those that don't know Jeffrey, he um, has been an assistant secretary general for the World Tourism Organization. He's actually the founder of the World Travel and Tourism Council. And their first was a president, I believe. Um, and World Travel and Tourism Council is now representing mostly the large private industry. And he has been in the green field for many, many years, including uh, we've been working here with him on the uh, International Coalition of Tourism Partners for quite some time. Welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you, Thomas. As ever, it's a pleasure to be with you. No matter what time of the day or night, you seem to operate on a 24-hour clock. Um, and, and as you rightly say, it's not just a great day for America. It's a great day for the world um, to, to have America back into the international community. And particularly from, from my perspective, to have them back with, with such moral commitment into the, into the Paris Climate Agreement, because ultimately that is existential stuff. It's the most important international agreement that there is out there. And, and to listen to President Biden and to his whole team, it's a complete 180 degrees turn for the last four years. So it's a wonderful day. Uh, we, can, we can start to plan again to save the future for our kids. And, and that's uh, wonderful. And, and now um, you're, you're based in Belgium, what is kind of uh, in Brussels, what's kind of the capital of the European Union, but you're British. So you're, and, and you're really a global guy because uh, you, you've, been you've been traveling all over I the world. I'm actually quite, quite even more complicated because I'm a Canadian citizen as well. I lived in Canada for 10 years when I worked with IATA and became a Canadian citizen. And quite recently, I've applied to become a Belgium citizen because I'm so appalled at what the British have done with Brexit. So, yes, I'm, I'm complicated. Um, but, but we're all citizens of the planet, Thomas. I know that sounds like nice tree-hugging language, but the climate is something which affects the whole planet. And when you get a country like the United States, which, which is maybe one quarter of the total pollution and also the home of the biggest oil companies um, and a leader in technology, um, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible when you have such a, such a change um, and a change from essentially, and it's now becoming clear, um, a man with a, with a bad international vision, leaving everything else aside. Um, in, now we have somebody coming back who's the exact opposite, who's, who's a man who understands this issue with a team, you know, former Secretary Kerry, who's leading the efforts in this field, um, was one of the leaders of the original Paris Agreement. And it was only because of the United States and China finding common ground uh, that the Paris Agreement even, even came together in 2015. So now we have all the big players, the EU, China, 
and the United States are all saying they have to have a zero carbon uh, situation by 2050. And this is the chance of our lifetime. So it's an incredible day. And, and nobody in the world who watched the ceremony listened to President Biden's inaugural address should have any doubt as to how important this is for, ha for, for our whole society, not just for tourism or travel, but for everything that we do, which involves international relations and international trade, the US is back with its, with its leadership position, which is wonderful. And it's, it's like, um, I felt like it's, uh, we're breathing fresh air again this morning. For me, it was seven in the morning when it was noon in Washington, D.C. And I, I have to say, um, everyone I talk to uh, is very encouraged, um, specifically after what we experienced in the last few days um, in, under the um, old administration. Now it's well, time I think it's I think it's even even wrong to call it an administration because they weren't administering anything. You you've seen how they they let the COVID situation get out of hand, and and all of the positions, uh, the military situation with NATO, um, and and for me the Paris Agreement, uh, the U.S. has suddenly become almost a pariah state for the last four years. And suddenly, not just to have them say, well, we're not going to go down that track, to come back in is massive. And, and let me say one other thing, Thomas. The US, it wasn't just the federal authorities that have a responsibility in this field. What we have seen in the absence of the US from the international situation is that the states and the cities have all been committing to the principle of moving towards clean energy, low carbon, and, and in fact, zero carbon increasingly by 2050. So the framework was still there, but the leadership was running in the opposite direction. And now we have a, a you know, clearly a, a good human being rather than a bad human being um, who, who says we want to regain our, our seat at the table. And it's a wonderful news for all of us. And, and realistically, how, how do you see this can be accomplished. I know 2050 is a little bit away, um, but it's not that far away. I'm going to be only nine, 93 years old by that time. But uh... <laughs> the, 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 UN, the UN has actually put in place a global framework with in 2015 was the key year. If you remember, they did two big things. The Paris Agreement was signed to try to get some global control over our climate and the sustainable development goals, the SDGs were put into place. And these set targets for 2030 for almost everything that goes on. So any discussion in our sector about, about aviation's uh, carbon impacts, about plastics, about the circular economy, about waste, they are covered in these two big agreements. So what we have out there is an international roadmap with one target date of 2030 when we have to get all our stuff together, the, the, the trajectory is right. And then 2050, when we have to have bent our carbon curve so that it's, it's operating consistently and sustainably at a much lower level. So we have a system 
And the big challenge is, in order to get agreement on an international system, they had to say that every country has to do its own thing. So the challenge as we move forward is keeping all the countries doing what they committed to with these two big agreements. And in travel and tourism, we've tried in Sunex Malta to set up a, a conduit to that framework. We've, we've created what we call a registry, a place where people can make their plans in, in regard to, on the one hand, the green plans with regard to the SDGs, everything that is green tourism, and their clean plans, everything with regard to the climate and the pollution and the Paris 1.5 agreements, we've set up a framework that helps them make those plans and most importantly, register them so everybody can see that they're not just making statements, but they're actually doing something. And having the US come back in brings a massive amount of the tourism sector back into play. Instead of doing things which you know the government will not be supporting, you're able to do things, good things, which fit in with the direction which the government is now taking a, a world leadership position in. So it's a complete change of, of everything that we've been doing. Now, you, you mentioned uh, some of the keywords, um, health. Uh, it, at the same time today, the United States also recommitted uh, funding and to stay in the World Health Organization, what was one thing President Trump wanted to stop. So that's another good thing. Uh, we can talk about World Health Organization, about problems and issues. All well, day it's, long, vital. It, it's vital for travel, Thomas. It's, it's vital. vital for the tourism sector because for the foreseeable future, the next, you know, nobody knows how long, but let's assume at least for the next 12 months, every traveler is going to have to have a health certificate because the only way to get control of the of the pandemic is to take collective action which will stop it from 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 trans transferring and from multiplying and tourism can either make that easy or make it hard and and i think the tourism authorities they all recognize People have to have uh, vaccinations, testing, uh, proof of whether they have a certificate or not. It's going to change the way that we travel so that instead of being asking the question, do I have a visa correct before I go somewhere? We're going to have to ask, is my health situation in order? Do I have all the necessary certificates with me? Uh, can I bring them together electronically because all of the check-in at the airport, all of the, um, the, the booking conditions are done electronically, all of the authorities who give approval to move into a country are looking at things electronically. So it's critically important that we will have systems which make it very easy when, you, when you're going to take a plane or you're going to cross an international border that you can take your mobile phone out and show that you have properly authenticated certificates. And, and you know, there's a whole world of, of, of uh, uh, fraud out there of people making false certificates. So these have got to be properly certificated and protected from hacking and a whole set of things. So, you know, the, the, the 
coming back into the health organization for a country as influential as the United States is, is, is fantastic. All we want now is for them to come back into the World Tourism Organization, which they've been taking a free ride on for the past 10 years. Now, when, when, you, when we talk about uh, tourism pandemic and all of this, is the pandemic, what influence is the uh, uh, pandemic uh, doing when it comes to climate change? Uh, marginal, in the big picture of things, it's, it's slowed down the amount of carbon and other greenhouse gases that are coming from tourism. You know, tourism, as, as you keep reporting, is, is off by anything from, from 70 to 90 percent in most countries. So you can assume that the associated carbon pollution and other greenhouse gas pollution is also down by 70 to 90 percent. But as our total contribution in terms of tourism as a whole is between five and eight percent of all the pollution, you know, maybe we've we've taken two, three percent out of the actual growth that has been there because of the growth of the tourism sector. So in the big picture, if you look at the world carbon figures, it didn't go down this year. It continued to go up, but rate than historically and when that stuff gets up and gets into the atmosphere that's it it doesn't come down again it stays there for for 70 80 years until unless you can find some way of pulling it out of the atmosphere and the science isn't there yet so what would be your advice if you were an advisor to president biden well <laughs> President Biden seems to have taken on board and actually much better any advice that I could give him. I would say, welcome back to the world community. Thank you for your clear vision and international leadership and more of the same. We're supporting you. Thank you, Jeffrey. And, um... I think this was a good conversation and I hope we can talk a lot more about this and other issue. You're always welcome to be part of our session. And I wanted to give it to Dr. Peter Tarlow uh, for our daily news update for today, January 20th. Thank you, Jeffrey, I appreciate it. Let, let, let me just also thank you and thank Peter for the work that you're doing in bringing these issues to the attention of the community. I think as always, you're way ahead of the game and it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for asking me. Thank you, you take care, bye-bye. With me is uh, Dr. Peter Tarlow. He's joining us from College Station in Texas and we're reviewing today's news and there is a lot of news today. And uh, Peter, welcome. How's everything in Texas on Inauguration Day? Well, it was actually, um, the day started, um, maybe like the country, um, it started very dark and uh, rainy, but luckily it ended up with sun at the end of the day. So maybe that's a sign that good things are about to come. I think all of us, no matter if we're Democrats or Republicans or independents, we always want a president to succeed and we always hope the best for every administration. 
So we have a new administration in this country and let's hope that uh, it will be a success, not only for the United States, but of course the United States has such a major role within the world and that it'll have positive impact around the world. Let's certainly hope so. So yeah, it was a very busy day today from an explosion in Madrid um, and three people died and I think six or seven people were wounded right in the heart of the tourism sector to um, aviation, which is starting to peak a little bit through the cold of COVID. And we're starting to see the first signs maybe of new life coming back. So those are, uh, and then um, a lot of stuff is happening in different parts around the world. So we'll talk a little bit maybe about what's going on in Africa, for example. Yeah, and I know in the aviation system, um, Peter, there is um, a lot of movement these days because planes are designed to fly and not to stay on the ground. And there right. are a lot of discussions. And actually, we had a very good discussion last night, um, what we may play actually again also after this today's news session. There's another one tomorrow with Vijay Po'onasami. Um, he runs our World Tourism Network Aviation Interest Section. And we had senior people on our discussion yesterday from ICAO, IADA, Lufthansa, and uh, many more. And it's worth watching. And I'm very happy to say that our aviation interest group seems to take off uh, quite prominently. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yes. And, and today, if you look at some trends, you know, they're going through the aviation work. Norwegian Airlines, this Norwegian Air was the first really no thrill airline flying long haul also to the United States, um, connecting many places in Europe um, on a um, on a different type of system as traditional airlines, and they decided to go out of the long haul market. Now, whether this is a trend or something new, we don't know whether it's just because of Corona and the traditional carriers have to lower prices and there's not too much difference going on a no through carrier compared to a traditional carrier. We don't know, uh, but it's an interesting development. And that's really a whole issue anyway, because the traditional carriers cut back a lot of frills and the frill, no frills had cut back price. So now I'm not really sure I understand that much of the difference between a traditional carrier and some of the low frill carriers because many of them are not giving frills anyway. Many of them are dealing pretty much with the same type of price. So I think we're gonna see uh, over the long term a real change in how the airline industry is functioning. And one of the things that we're seeing is that a lot of the airlines are competing rather than on the quality of the food or whatever luxury, the headset they were giving you. Now they're talking about, we're the cleanest airline. We have the most disinfectant. We have the best filters. So interestingly enough, they might feed, not feed you, but they're gonna let you breathe. So um, that's gonna be, I think, a, real, a possible change. And we don't know where that change is gonna go in a post COVID world where people are really uh, scared to, and scared to travel. Yeah, and, and uh, it was part of our discussion, our aviation discussion last night. And the opinion kind of um, came up. It's really not that much that people don't feel safe getting on an airline because airlines are doing everything possible yeah. to be safe. It is more what destination where you fly to and what, ex what you need to expect once you land at an airport and beyond. So, yeah. and, and all of this has to be in harmony 
for anyone to be encouraged to travel. Now, yeah. there is an airline route that has been one of the busiest in the world and what completely died because of political differences. And this is between the United Arab Emirates and um, Qatar. Now, Abu Dhabi to Doha, flights were resumed by Etihad Airways. And this is a good sign. So now two rivals in the Arab world are talking to each other. In addition to this, new flights um, had been resumed or new connections have been resumed. There have never been flights between Israel and the UAE. It's a good development, I think, also in the airline yeah. industry. Yeah. I was surprised to see that Lufthansa German airline is now embarking on their what they call the longest flight ever between Hamburg and the Falkland Islands. So I don't wow. know if this is. <laughs> How many people go between Germany and the Falkland Islands uh, off the coast of Argentina? Doesn't sound like such a. I guess maybe a lot of Germans like sheep. Uh, I think there's uh, 20 sheep for every person on the Falkland Islands. So um, if you're very much, I would think maybe between the Falkland Islands and New Zealand, which is another major place for sheep. But I think the important thing when we we'll go back to seriousness is that when people talk about going on an air flight, they don't just mean the airline itself. They mean the total experience. And that means from the time you park your car or take a bus or an Uber, whatever it is, until the time you leave the destination airport with your baggage. And so that's very difficult with the airlines because they don't control all those issues. They only control the time you're on the plane but the public thinks of the flight experience as a total package rather than just those few hours on the plane. And then, by the way, it's also impacting the cruise industry, which is also facing the same types of issues and people being afraid to get on the boats, off the boats, going through customs. So it's not just the cruise ships themselves, but it's a total package that surrounds those ships. And so that's gonna be a real challenge for us as we go forward in the world of COVID. Yeah, and, and uh, today, one of the stories we had was about the loss in the revenue in the uh, travel and tourism industry altogether. And uh, this loss is $200 billion less than it was in 2019, what is expected in 2020. In 2020, you remember, COVID didn't really make such a big impact till uh, the second quarter of yes. the year. Um, yeah, so that is tremendous. And is uh, that 200 billion in actual dollars or is that in multiplier dollars? In other words, if it's 200 billion dollars, but then it has the impact of 1 trillion 400 billion dollars, that's really a big deal. Traditionally, in, on universal tourism, not on local tourism, but on universal tourism, we say that every dollar spent in tourism circulates seven times. So if we're seeing that, then you're talking not 2 billion, but 200 billion, I'm sorry, but 200 billion multiplied by seven, which really makes it astronomically terrible for many, many countries' economies. Yeah, it clung on an average of 52%. And, mm -hmm. and that again, considering that one quarter of the year was normal and it started out quite well. Yeah. Uh, so it is, uh, we don't know what it's going to do to 2021. But uh, getting the vaccine um, in motion is uh, quite important. We, I had an interesting email. We didn't publish an article about it today about a startup company. And they came out with a model 
for a passport, a regular national passport, what actually has all data included, including your vaccine, your health situation with contacts. So mm -hmm. it's like a passport with an enhanced chip. We have a chip yeah. now. And I thought that's a good idea because if you yeah. can get this data all into a passport you use anyway, you don't need all these additional uh, stuff attachment. And maybe that's part of the theme today is rebuilding and renewal. Because we're seeing rebuilding in the tourism industry, in the airline industry. We're seeing the first uh, like signs of spring coming back. And these new inventions coming out of, of such a terrible situation is maybe gonna make travel a lot better in the years to come. So I think that's a good place for us to kind of end for the evening. Let's hope that tomorrow is a peaceful day um, and that this is the beginning of a really wonderful new period that tourism will start uh, developing. So let me say good night to you and be healthy, be well, don't get sick. <laughs> no, thank you, Peter. And maybe one last note. Um wanted to wish, and I know I can speak for you as yeah. well, yes. um, to, uh, for Cuthbert Nakubi. He is the chairman of the African Tourism Board and frequent contributor um, to this news channel and uh, to initiatives we're both involved in. And he's down with Corona and uh, he, he said he had difficulties breathing today and I feel for him. Uh, he's a good man yeah. and we all wish him speedy recovery. And he's in all of our prayers. So, uh, Let's hope he gets well real soon and he's back on the job. Okay. Thank Good you night. very much. And anyone who wanted to uh, watch us uh, again after uh, this live uh, broadcast, you can simply go to livestream.travel and you will find us. And uh, it will also be converted on various podcast channels you might be listening to, like Spotify, like Apple, Google, and so forth. Thank you very much. Thank everyone you. for turning in and uh, we talk to you tomorrow i guess see you tomorrow take care bye-bye okay bye-bye